That's my thing. I'm hip. I, I surf the web. I text. LOL. Laugh out loud. OMG. Oh my God. WTF. Why the face? Um, you know, I know all the dances to High School Musical. So. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We're now on episode seven of the Kentucky Dad Podcast, brought to you by SB Nations of Sea of Blue. I'm Drew Brown, and I genuinely appreciate it if you're taking a listen. It's something I've really enjoyed. If you normally listen to the Cats by 90 podcast that we do, this is a little bit different. I'm sure we always hit Kentucky sports topics, but the main gist is just kind of getting some Kentucky guys on, talking about their kids, how fatherhood's going, coping with COVID-19 and parenthood. And today I'm especially excited because I have one of the Big Blue Nation fan favorites for sure. Um, so Josh Harrelson's on with me. Josh, thank you for coming on, man. Hey, no problem, man. Thank you for inviting me and having me. I was really excited when you accepted the invite for two reasons. One, um, again, I know you're one of the fan favorites, so I'm, I'm excited to discuss some of that. And two, I was really happy that you informed me you were not on like China time or time in Asia, which I assumed you weren't. But I was very pleased when you told me that so I could keep on a, a normal schedule. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Otherwise, you'd have been up at 3 a.m. trying to do this call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, so, man, to kick it off, we usually just keep it light. So I always like playing, if you heard that, my favorite Phil Dumphy, cool dad. Um, just kind of little monologue there. He's one of my favorite TV movie dads. Do you have, like, a favorite go-to or, like, someone that you like from TV or movies? Uh, I mean, I would say maybe TV. When I, when I was younger, I used to watch that 70s show. And I, I, can't, I can't recall his name right now. Uh, Red Foreman. There you go, Red Foreman. Man, I just I just loved how he was, how stern he was, cracking jokes, always joking around. And, uh, you know, I just his character in that movie just always made me laugh. Good. I know that uh, just maybe last week or so I put on uh, the Kentucky Dad um, podcast Twitter page, which if you're not following, do that. It's Kentucky Dad Pod. Um, and I kind of just asked that. I said, hey, who's your favorite TV dad? And uh, one of my favorites is Murray Goldberg. I don't know if you watch the Goldbergs, but great show. I love that one. But I'll say that Red Foreman was probably like top five for sure. A lot of people like Red Foreman. And I think um, I agree with you. They really, they really like, they like his delivery and his sternness. <laughs> yeah. He, he, oh man, he was always making me crack up when I used to watch that show. <laughs> good, good, good. We're going to get into the stuff about, um, about you as a father. But first, man, why don't you just tell us? Cause I know actually what prompted me to reach out to you. I saw a picture of your daughter on social media and you, you know, you're just talking about how you're obsessed with her and kind of fits the mold of most parents. But, um, why don't you just tell, me and I guess the listeners a little bit about like your family makeup now. Your um, wife is that your only kid? Uh, yes, uh, right now that's our only kid. She's five. She'll be six in October. Uh, man, time flies when I when I think about that. But uh, yeah, we're uh, hopefully gonna have another baby next summer. Uh, that's the plan. Uh, so fingers crossed that works out. And uh, so hopefully next is a boy. But I'll take anything healthy. But you know, so right now we're trying to just build our family. Um, build our foundation and just continue to work in that aspect in that area. Okay, so your daughter's five. What's her name? Her name is Ariana. Now it sounds like then y'all already got y'all are very uh, scripted with it then. So you already got the next next summer baby plan. Hopefully then that's the plan. We hope uh, you know obviously with me being only free in the summertime or whatever. We're just trying to hopefully have a baby around that time because uh, you know currently I miss all the birthdays, all the Christmas and everything. So uh, hopefully we can have a baby sometime, you know, spring or summer that I can actually be there for birthdays and stuff. Good. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I know with your, your schedule is definitely different than a lot of people's. And then 
kind of throwing in the global pandemic, but we'll work up to all that, man. So I was actually kind of refreshing myself just about your career at Kentucky. And I learned a lot, man. So one, I'm going to give you a huge shout out, Josh, because your wiki page is loaded, bro. Like it had a lot of information in it, like more so than other people that, you know, I've, I've kind of looked up before doing a podcast. So shout out to whoever's staying on your wiki updates. But again, I learned a lot. Like I didn't, I knew a little bit, I guess, about your path to Kentucky and, and not being, you know, as traditional, definitely now that the Calipari's here. And that for me was always one reason that like, your trajectory to Kentucky and definitely to the NBA was not typical, right, of what we normally see. And kind of reading through some of that, man, I even read a little bit about kind of your early life growing up and, uh, you know, how some of that even got difficult for you and kind of fueled your basketball career. But usually we like to start, man. I'd love to just you can share as much as you want or as little as you want just about kind of you growing up and your father, father figures that you have and kind of how it shaped you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, growing up, uh, it, it wasn't always like, you know, peaches and cream at home uh you know both of my my parents were together but they weren't together uh so you know it was it was kind of tough you know a lot of times it was dinner with mom and or it's dinner with dad you know one of the other one was out or doing something so uh so growing up my grandpa was a big big uh big father figure in my life he passed away when I was in eighth grade but all the way up till eighth grade he was like he was pretty much like my dad like you know I try to spend every day with him uh, doing everything. I learned a lot from him. And then, uh, you know, as I grew as when he passed away, then me and my dad became closer. And, uh, you know, as I just continued to grow up and then when I, obviously when I became a father, uh, you know, I just wanted to give my daughter everything that I kind of didn't have when I was younger. Uh, you know, I wanted to, I wanted her to have like a loving family, a family that was together and committed and just kind of going that route and just trying to give her the best life that she can have. So, Hopefully one day when she grows up, she'll see how I was and she'll want somebody that resembles me. For sure, man. That, that think that that's great. And, you know, I just had, I think, like I said, I think you're our seventh person that we've had on the dad podcast. And it just really resonates with me just how different everyone's like upbringing and, and situation was as a kid. But at the same time, like everybody had their own challenges and stuff that, you know, I think I've talked to out of seven, maybe two, maybe three had parents that were you know, just kind of your your typical stereotype, you know, married parents that kind of seemingly worked out throughout the, the person's childhood. So I'm sure that that's whew, been something that you've worked on, you know, forever to kind of develop into that parent. But what about, man, I, I, and again, we try to stay away from um, just drilling down questions on Kentucky sports. And I got to talk to you a little bit about this, because one of the things I found great, I don't know if it quoted you or is this somebody basically saying that you're your freshman year, you're like six four, but you like couldn't even make a left-handed layup. And uh, <laughs> maybe you, it was you that said you were the worst player on the team. So I just, again, I just have to like call mention to you the, just the trajectory of your basketball development. So, I mean, just take us through that, man. You're a freshman. It was in Missouri, the state of Missouri, correct? Yeah, state of Missouri, uh, St. Charles, Missouri, to be exact. And uh, yeah, like you said, man, uh, I remember it was it, it was the first day of school, and uh, I was a freshman. I was 14 years old. I walked. I was probably about standing. Yeah, probably about six three, six four, two hundred and thirty pounds. I walked into the the so the head basketball coach, the head varsity football coach, and the freshman basketball coach all shared an office. And I remember I walked in the first day, um, and I walked right up to the football coach. I said, "Hey," I was like, "Is it too late for me to play football?" I was like, "I really want to sign up and try this out." And he said, "He said I couldn't play because I missed the whole summer workout." So I turned around. And I walked out. And then either later that day or the next day, I had physical education. And then the head basketball coach was my PE teacher. And then I remember him pulling me to the side and he said, he said, hey, have you ever played basketball before? And I was like, no. 
And he said, what you do now? And mm -hmm. that's, that's how it all started, man. And I was the worst basketball player to ever start playing basketball. I know they can tell these players, Jordan is Jordan to get cut. The only reason I didn't get cut because I was six foot three, two thirty. I mean, when, when the team was practicing on the main court, I was literally on the side hoop shooting layups because I couldn't make a layup. And like you said, I couldn't make, I couldn't, I could not fathom jumping off my right leg and shooting mm -hmm. with my left hand. I couldn't do it. I just, I didn't know what was wrong with me. So I literally just stood there and took one step with my left foot or my, my right foot and shot with my left hand just over and over one step, one step, one step. That's all I did for practice. And then finally I started getting so good at it. I, I couldn't do left hand or left foot, right hand. Like I, I, I forgot how to do it. And it was just, it was just such a crazy, like, learning experience building. So my whole life, I played baseball growing up, and I was really good. I was, like, one of the best players in St. Charles in the area. You know, I was huge. I was a pitcher. I could hit the ball out of the park. So I was a, I was a really – I was a good top prospect in that area. And I was already so good at it. When I started playing basketball, it was a new challenge, and I was awful. And so me, I just literally committed my entire time to basketball. I quit playing everything else. And everything I did was basketball from that point forward. And I mean, I had a great teacher. His name's Gary Wacker. Uh, you know, without him, without him and his old school teaching, I wouldn't be anywhere I'm at today. And, uh, you know, I thank him a lot for the time and the extra time he put on me for those four years he had me. First thing I got to say is that there must have been a hell of a football program there for 6'3", 230 pound freshman walks in and the coach just dismisses him that easily. Like they must have been pretty good. Well, that's another, I mean, that's, that's what I couldn't believe too. When I, when I think back on it, cause I mean, they weren't, they weren't ever like a great, great team. I mean, they were, they were decent. They, you know, they could beat teams, but they weren't ever competing for championships or anything. So, uh, when I look back on a think like that, like, like he didn't even like try to put me on the roster or whatever. And, and then once it's funny, cause once I started playing basketball and I started getting more athletic and, uh, you know, better at basketball, my, I think it was going into my senior year. He asked me to play, and he ended up putting me on the roster. But I didn't play. But I ne I never even played. He just put me on the roster. And I remember I was getting these letters from these teams in football, um, you know, like saying they wanted to recruit me because all he did was see on the roster six nine two sixty, you know. So all these teams were like trying to just recruit me. I never even played one game. I was looking through your career and just going through it, man. It's like with Calipari here. I mean, we might not see a player that has your same trajectory where you talked about just like in high school and just not even be able to make a layup. And then you go on, go on the junior college route and then ultimately coming to Kentucky and kind of learning the way that route was there. And then boom, I mean, you, you're one of the catalysts for a final four run. And we haven't even talked about, you know, your NBA career. And I was bragging a little today too, Josh, because my wife's family's all from Detroit. So I was letting them know, you know, that I was going to be talking to a former Piston today so that they got a big kick out of that. But oh, yeah. essentially what I'm getting at is I guess that, you know, like even this year is a good example, you know, like with like an Isaiah Jackson or somebody coming in, like still raw has a lot of potential. But, you know, these are these like five star pogo sticks. And I've always appreciated that about you. I guess the fact that I always like when a, you know, some type of different talent comes into Lexington and is able to have success. And, you no doubt left your mark on on their and um, I don't want to make you feel old, Josh, but I was thinking about this too, looking because I'm older than you, um, first of all. But I was looking through and man, can you believe that the next time we have a March Madness tournament, it will be the 10th anniversary of your final four? Does that even seem possible? I know, man. I just, we had a Zoom meeting last night with all the guys from 2009, 2010, and 
And they were saying this is 10 years. And I was like, man, that's 10 years. I was like, man, I'm about to be graduating from college for 10 years. But I mean, time flies, man. And I wish it would slow down a little bit. But yeah, like what you were saying about getting another player from Kentucky, I don't, I don't, I don't ever see that at a big school like Kentucky or, or something like a Duke or, you know, even North Carolina or big schools like that. They just, they can get such great talent that they're not going to, I mean, I don't even know if I was, I don't even know if I was a two-star recruit out of high school. So like, you know, like talking about a two-star recruit coming to Kentucky, people are gonna be like, what is Kyle doing? You know? So, mm-hmm. uh, I don't, just getting a player like me in the path I've taken, it's just going to be, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah, you're right. And to take it a step further, because I really was thinking about that. I'm like, well, that's not necessarily true, you know, especially like, but if if it did ever happen again in a similar way, in my opinion, it would have to be with a local Kentucky kid that kind of just got that chance to play at UK, you know, because maybe they were like, you know, first team all state or something like you were in Missouri. So they get that nod there. But with you not really having any ties to the area, I think that that just makes it even more improbable. And and I mean, just just really neat, man. And I know everyone. And one thing, too, I wanted to talk about. We can just keep talking basketball for a minute. The two, so the two things with you that I think are most definitely recognized from Kentucky's fans are the Jorts for sure. And then obviously the Jared Sullinger Ohio State um, game. And what I, I like, Justin, it seems like that doesn't bother you at all that those are the two things. Like you really embrace both of them. And I know particularly like your name just can't get mentioned without bringing up Jared Sullinger. But like I said, you seem to embrace it. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, anything to keep me relevant, you know, and University <laughs> of Kentucky, and let let these fans keep reminiscing and let remind them, you know, of the uh, of me and and the incredible things we did with that 2011 team. Uh, you know, so anything that if if it's George or if it like you said that Jared Sollinger throwing the ball, you know, anything that they they can remember and remember that team and you know remember a player like me because you know like like we said you know a two I don't even know what what star I was but I'm sure I wasn't many more than two so you know a two star player coming to Kentucky being you know the leader and being one of the being one of the leaders to lead him to a final four it's just uh it's a, it's a remarkable story and you know it's a, it's just something that something that I just feel very honored to be able to do and especially wearing big blue and it's very rare to I can't, I can't really think of any other times I guess in the Cal era where you know, they've won some games in the tournament maybe that they weren't supposed to, but nothing like the gauntlet that you guys went through in 2011. And I remember when that bracket came out, everyone was just like, ah, oh, shit, man, this is this is some BS, like with North Carolina and Ohio State both on that side. And I was talking to my wife yesterday about getting you on, and she was kind of like, I was, you know, describing me. I'm like, yeah, you remember. And then, of course, as soon as I mentioned throwing the ball off, you know, then she knew, and we kind of talked about watching that game together. And I think – that's always going to be a good memory for for Kentucky fans and I'm sure all of you guys. But I got to ask, man, since you mentioned it, too. Um, so you said you got on a Zoom call with the 0-9-10 team. Um, is that something like regular? Did y'all just do that spur of the moment? Was there an agenda behind it? Or uh, Yeah, I mean, it, it was the first time that we've all been on. I think it's the first time that we've, yeah, that we've all been on since we all are since those guys left in 2010. Um, but, you know, Dwayne Peavy put it together uh, kind of just to get us all together and and uh, kind of just reminisce and talk. And we were on for about an hour and a half last night, just everybody hanging out, talking, just catching up. And, uh, you know, a bunch of the guys were mentioning that, we you know, we should do it more often. We should keep in touch because, obviously, Kentucky is a brotherhood. And, uh, you know, we, we, we all played together. We all were young. And we all came through, you know, some tough times together. So uh, it's good to keep that connection with those guys. 
Good. I'm glad we got a chance to talk some basketball, but, you know, the real purpose of this is always like hearing a little bit, you know, kind of peeling back the layers from the basketball player and learning a little bit more about your family and, you know, how your basketball career has, has shaped the, the way that you parent. But before we jump into the stuff and ask some questions about Ariana and stuff, let's take a quick sponsor break. All right, we're back. Kentucky Dad Podcast, Episode 7. Big Blue Drew, Josh Harrelson on here today. So, man, this has been, this has been good already. I've been really enjoying it. So everything's COVID-19. It's just impacting everything. So maybe just tell me a little, Josh, about like what was the dynamic um, with you playing overseas before this happened and like what it looked like after. So from hearing you talk earlier, it sounds like then, so you live there by yourself when you're playing? Uh, for the most part. Yeah. Um, I'm usually, I usually get there in August and I usually get home in May. Uh, and my family usually visits usually around, they usually try to come in October cause that's my wife's birthday, my daughter's birthday. So they usually try to come in October and then usually leave maybe after the new year or right around my birthday, usually in like February. So they usually come for about four months, which is, you know, it's nice. It breaks the season up. I get to see them. I get to hang out with them and it's just kind of like a nice break in the season. So, um, yeah, but for the for the most part, I'm you know I'm there about five five or five or six months roughly by myself. Thanks to every every time I notice like I see pictures of you and stuff um, over in China. One, I know you're putting up numbers big time, and then two, you always look so genuinely happy, man. And so we've already talked about just the complete random universal events that got to where you're playing professional basketball overseas, but. It seems like you're happy, man. It seems like you really like it over there. Yeah, it's been it's been great. I'm I'm in Japan, but uh, it's 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 been great. Um, you know, it's, it was definitely a place that I never expected to play. Uh, you know, even I, this was my this was just my fourth season there. Um, but even like I think about two years before I even went there, I was getting these teams were you know trying to get me to come over there. But I was like, I'm not going to Japan. You know, like I would never go there and all this other stuff. And then. Man, I I took a I took a leap four years ago when when they merged these two leagues and they made this super league there and I took a leap and uh man it's been the best decision I ever made uh you know uh, I don't have to worry about anything it's the safest place I've ever lived there's literally no crime there's no people don't litter there's no trash the floors are wow. I, I mean outside there there's people that clean sidewalks like it's just it's just unbelievable such a clean place such a an amazing place to live in and the city i live in is in osaka so it's kind of it's it's like equivalent to living in chicago but a little bit bigger um so you know I, i'm in the, i'm in the best city in japan and you know i really can't complain it's been a great place the team i play for is osaka vesa and uh they've they've shown me so much love and this this would be my i'm this coming season my fourth year in osaka but my fifth year in japan so uh, they show me nothing but love, and you know I, my plan is to play there until my career is over. And is that the B League, the league you mentioned that got merged together? Yeah, it's called the yeah the B League. It's it's the top league, but I don't know why they call it the B League. <laughs> yeah, I know that's what I was curious. And it's like it's like um, parenthesis B too, like it stood for something. I couldn't find it, but yeah, I'd read that same thing that you just mentioned, just about how it kind of became a super league and stuff. So. What about with COVID-19, man? Like, how did that look? Were you there when, when this stuff kind of started happening and had to flee or? Oh, uh, yeah, we were there. Um, actually, uh, so I think, the, I think it really started getting crazy in like January. I think that's when China and stuff was like right after rest in peace to Kobe, but right after that, all that with Kobe happened. Um, you know, and then I think early February is when Japan started getting that ship in Japan docked, the one that left China right. and it was in Tokyo. 
and they started getting all these cases, like a hundred something cases. And then, you know, that a lot of people were, all the buzz was going around. And then there was a couple, there was a couple more cases in Tokyo and then, then Osaka. Um, so then the league actually shut down for, I think, I think it was two weeks we shut down and we, we still had practice and everything, but there was no games. So they were trying to contain it. I think they were trying to do it, a lot of stuff they could for the Olympics because it was supposed to be this, this summer. Um, but then, so after the cases started coming out, we shut down for two weeks and then we kind of resumed and we played a weekend actually with no fans. And I mean, to being a competitor, being a professional basketball mm-hmm. player and, you know, for the last nine years playing every game I played was in front of fans. That's probably the most awkward thing I've ever done. Uh, you know, just out there, it, it just, it didn't seem like a real game. It almost just seemed like, it almost seemed like a scrimmage. So mm-hmm. at one, at one point in the game, I actually felt like, like in myself, like, do I even care if I win or lose? Like, do I even care if I'm playing good? Cause this is like, there's nobody watching. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was just such a weird feeling. But, uh, after that weekend, actually, they, uh, they just, we, I think we postponed another week after that weekend. And then they decided just to cancel the league because the cases were getting more in numbers. And, uh, actually there was, there was 13 players on our team that got, or 13 people associated with our team that actually got COVID. And I was one of them. Um, I did get, I got the virus, but I only had symptoms for one day. Uh, I had like a mild fever. And then for like three days after that, I couldn't smell, like I couldn't smell a scent. Um, but you know, wow. after that, I, I healed up fine and I got tested. I tested negative and the Japanese government let me come home and I tested again here and I tested negative. So. Wow. I didn't even realize that, man, especially so early on. I'm sure that was pretty terrifying because I just keep thinking about you too. That's why I was kind of asking about the dynamic and man with, I remember when my, so I have a, um, man, you're going to hopefully feel less stressed out when I say this, but I have a 12 year old daughter and a one year old son. So oh, like wow. between COVID-19, man, it is like, oh, they're that I sent them on a walk right now. I'm like, Hey, I got to do this. So they're walking with my wife, but yeah, man, I would just think about, uh, literally being across the world from them and the challenges that must put on you, man. If you have a bad day or feeling down that day or something, I'm sure that has to get extremely tough for you as much as you like it. Right. Oh, it does. It, it for sure does. You know, if my wife has a bad day or my daughter has a bad day, I can't be there for them. So, you know, it's definitely a tough feeling. And like you said, when this COVID came out, man, I was like, it, I, I told my team, I was like, hey, I was like, because they kept asking us, like, do you guys want to go home? Do you guys, because I, I, they were just trying to figure out what everybody wanted to do or whatever. And then I, t- I told them, I said, I'm I'm fine right now. I said, but if some of my family gets sick, I said, I got to go, you know, like I got to get out of mm-hmm. here. And like, we understand no problem. So uh, thank goodness nobody in my family got sick and, you know, I'm, I'm glad I could be a test for it and, and, you know, see how the symptoms were and stuff. But I just thank goodness. I think, I thank God that, you know, it didn't affect me how this has affected other people. And, uh, you know, all those other people that have been affected bad, you know, I'll pray for them. But, uh, you know, I just, I'm just very thankful that I got out of there safe. I bet. Yeah. It, 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 again, especially just being across, across the globe like that. And with that kind of being the side of the world, at least where, you know, some of this stuff first started coming out before we had that information. And but I wanted to talk to man about going back to the games without fans, because I've been, I was talking about that just online today with football and having covered some SEC football games, like being on the field in Starkville where they have the bells and stuff and basketball, like, I just can't fathom this, man. Like, I, like to your whole point, are you were just going through and it's like, do I even care what's going on? Like, basketball I guess I can kind of see a world where you know that would work and we'd get a little used to it but football is really the one that I just can't imagine like you know Auburn playing Georgia on a Saturday and no one being there and just how weird that's going to be so I don't know if that's the route we're trending but you might be one of the 
I haven't even thought about this, but you could be, you're one of the very select few athletes in the world, I guess, that has went through an experience like that of playing with no fans. And just personally sitting here, May 20th, 2020, I just can't envision it. It seems weird. I wrote an article last week about Fox um, hinting at the idea that they're going to like splice in virtual fans. So I don't know, man, this world's becoming a lot for me. I'm just not sure how I feel about it. Yeah, I, to yeah, to be honest, like you said, like football stadiums, man, that's you're talking about 70, 80, some football stadiums, 100,000 people. Like to have that empty and then playing down there, like I, I couldn't fathom it either, especially I just uh, it's just it like 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 from personal experience, you know, even though we only get 5,000 fans, our arena only holds maybe eight or nine or seven, probably about seven actually probably holds, uh, you know, to, to to have that empty like was just like it was just something new and it's just something that I don't want to do again. Uh, I couldn't imagine like NFL teams or big college football teams or even Rupp Arena. That's 20,000 people, you know, like to have something like that empty and you're out there playing and you don't hear when you score a basket, you don't hear the cheers. It's just like, dude, what am I doing? And that's a, a lot of the whole game that I kept playing. I just kept like questioning myself, like, what am I doing out here? Like, this is not, <laughs> this is not what I do. Like, this is, this is what I get paid for. And, you know, it had me question a lot of, a lot of stuff what I was doing that day. Yeah, then I so I thought that I was going to get the opportunity to cover the SEC basketball tournament this year with no fans because that was like the week it all went down. That'd be kind of cool as a media member to get to go and cover the game with no fans. It would be, you know, so unique. And then two, and see if you agree with me on this. I kept saying that I've been around basketball and been in basketball gyms long enough to know where like they were just talking about just letting family come in. And I'm like, I can't even imagine if you actually do that because we've all been at, you know, high school type basketball environments where one team can hear the other person's family jawing and laughing and cutting up. And so I was sitting there thinking, I just kind of envisioned like how hilarious it would be, you know, if like, you know, certain players on Kentucky's family you can hear and they're screaming at the other ones. I just thought it would have been very weird with just family only. And who knows? It seems like at this point, man, everything is seemingly trending towards that of just trying to pick sports up, but no fans. They just announced actually, like right before we got on, that I think colleges essentially are allowed to resume voluntary sports activities like soon, like June 1st, which was a huge announcement. But I don't know, man. No fans would definitely be very weird. And I'm with you. I hope it's not something that that we have to really endure. But So what's the plan for you now, Josh? You guys are just in a straight-up holding pattern, like basically wait till next season or wait till you can pick things back up. Uh, so right now we're, yeah, we're just kind of waiting. I mean, I, I know my team's been signing new players and stuff. Um, I'm sure there's some kind of clause in there about, you know, if the season doesn't start due to COVID that the, obviously the contracts aren't, they're, they're nulled and void. But, uh, right now, uh, you know, I'm still under contract with my team, uh, for next season. Um, so right now the plan is for me to head back in August. Um, I know Japan would do whatever they have to do. And uh, I know they'll take every measurement they have to do to to get their country uh, back in order because obviously that the Olympics is supposed to be next summer, and I know they want they want that to go through because you know it's going to bring so much money and so much revenue into their country. Um, so I know that that's a main goal for them right now. So I know if if our season goes as planned, or even if it starts a little later, but if our if we have a season, it'll look good for the Olympics, and then hopefully that will continue as planned too. It's really interesting, too, what you told me. I feel like I've heard similar stories just about Japan and people feeling safe over there and things. But I'm glad you mentioned that because I know we're always we don't do a lot of traveling abroad, but that might be something I have to put on my list now because I know that it has, you know, a ton of culture and lots of things to do. And 
on the dad stuff, man, normally I like to ask people what their go-to punishment is for their kid. But, man, with a beautiful five-year-old daughter, I'm sure you probably haven't had to cross that path yet. Yeah, uh, it, has, it hasn't really been crossed. But she, anytime one of us, me, either me or her, her mom, if one of us get angry and just kind of get stern with her, she kind of straightens up or she'll get sad and then she'll start listening. But uh, for the most part, you know, she's she's very good and she listens and she does what she's supposed to. And um, but, you know, obviously with any kid, they have their days and their moments. So uh, we try to be, you know, as, as lenient as we can until we have to just kind of get stern. But, you know, after that, it's all it's all hugs and kisses after that. Right. And I hate to be this guy because I hate it when other guys did this to me like right in your position and of fatherhood. But man, enjoy it so much right now. We just enjoy it. And my daughter's still great. She's awesome. We connect in such different ways now. Like she loves reading books. We can, you know, we have, we both love history. So like, it's great having, like she's my best friend. Like she really is. Like we just are always bouncing stuff off each other and laughing at things. But man, dude, you get to that preteen and social media and the boys and, oh, it's getting, it's getting so hard. And I'm not a typical guy to like be speechless ever about anything. I talk a lot at work and stuff, but man, there's been some situations with like something she's posted online or something and her mom brings it to me. And I'm just like, I just sit there with a stone look like, ah, you have to go in there and have this conversation. I don't know how to do it. So I'm sure you guys are going to put all the right morals and stuff in place, but it definitely gets a little bit different, man. So, so soak up the little girl time now for sure. Oh, man, I, I, I can see it all happening now. You know, she, she's five, but sometimes moments she shows me that she's 10 and I'm just like, man, I'm like, stay young. Like, just calm down. Like, don't be in any hurry to grow up. But uh, yeah, so like you said, I'm just going to soak it all up and enjoy every moment of it. What about sports, Josh? I know she's kind of young. Um, what about sports? Does she? I mean, she. I guess she knows her dad's a basketball player, but has she showed much like affinity for sports yet, and basketball specifically? Uh, I mean, to be honest, she she likes anything I like to do. Um, you know, my wife bought a little basketball hoop the other day, and we put it up in the house, and you know, we've been shooting on that. She likes to play. She likes to shoot on that, and then uh, my brother-in-law bought a basketball hoop, and so we've actually been shooting on that, and. Even after some of my games in Osaka, uh, she would go out there and shoot on the court with me. And uh, I mean, it's surprising that a, a five-year-old, she's getting the ball up to 10-foot rim. But uh, she actually does, and she makes it sometimes. And wow. uh, I mean, she anything. She likes to be outside with me. If it's walking through the woods, you know, I, we, I went shed hunting. I went to look for deer antlers uh, about, probably about two weeks ago, about two weeks after I got home. So it was probably about two weeks ago. And, uh, you know, she loves doing that. She wants to be right by me when I'm out there walking through the woods. and looking for these and uh you know she just loves to do bike rides and just be outside so she's 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 both she she's a girly girl and she loves to be outside with dad we'll have to stay in touch on that because one of my biggest takeaways from doing these was i've been so surprised like i give those parents a lot of credit too because the people that i was talking to you know they've given their kids freedom to just hey they don't have to like what i do they can do whatever and kind of incorporated the kids interest with the parents but man you mentioned hunting so i was, I was wondering if we we're gonna have time to get to this but like you strike me as a fisherman too josh are you a fisherman uh i love fishing uh I'm, i actually want a fishing boat my wife won't let me get it um uh, because you know i'm here in the summer so that's that's the best time i can enjoy fishing but uh you know i enjoy fishing there's a there's a there's actually a, a huge lake about a mile from our house and uh we go up there and my daughter likes to fish and we might not catch anything, but it's, you know, it's just nice being out there. It's relaxing. It's calming. And I really enjoy it. Oh, I love it too, man. And just with all this going on, I think I've brought it up on every podcast, but I would be dead in the water without the ability to just get out in the Creek. And 
it's a great social distancing activity too. Like I can still go with my dad. We can keep a little bit of distance, but still spend some time together. But man, speaking of spending time together, I really, really appreciate you. I know you get asked to do a lot of stuff like this. And um, also genuinely appreciate you like you know, this is a normal sports questions and sharing a little bit about your family, more personal topics. And I genuinely thank you for that. And, um, but we always got to end it on dad jokes, man. That's how we end it. And I will, um, I'll go first. I don't even know if this is considered a dad joke, but going back to my daughter, Lily, she's finally at that age where like she gets this type of humor, you know, like when you tell like, you know, just certain jokes and they just look at you and you're like, no, that, you know, they use this word because it also means this word. So she's finally to the point where she kind of understands these type of jokes. And I had her dying the other day. She finally got this. It just hit her at once. I mean, she laughed all day, but essentially it just goes like, who missed the opportunity to call a veterinarian a dog tour? So I thought that was good. And she just yeah. never got that. I said it before and she's like, dog, what do you mean dog tour? And I explained it. So that's one of my favorites. I like that one. And yeah. that is true. I don't know who missed that opportunity, but that's definitely what it should be called. Yeah, for sure. But I guess you got other animals, so. <laughs> true, true. All right, man, hit, hit us with your dad joke, Josh. Uh, I mean, one that I, that I told my daughter, but I always said, why didn't the skeleton cross the road? And because he didn't have the guts to do it. And then one, she's been, she actually told me this. Uh, so it's actually her joke, but it had me, it kind of made me giggle. She said, uh, she said, knock, knock. Who's there? Who's there? And uh, she said, let us. Let us who? She said, let us in. <laughs> I was like, what? That was in my game room when she did that. <laughs> nice yeah i know that uh they do they do like the knock knock jokes so, oh, man, I, love it. And I, I don't know if it's genuinely being a dad because this isn't me being fake like i don't know they really do make me laugh and i catch myself all the time like uh just lastly and we'll wrap it up but my daughter's at that age she's reading twilight reading twilight watching the movies so uh, she asked me to watch the movie and man i couldn't go five seconds without just making a joke or making fun of them and she finally <laughs> just got mad and kicked me out but i said i, I just can't turn off the dad humor i'm sorry yeah. All right, Josh, man, you're the man, dude. BBN, one of the favorites. I'd love to uh, maybe catch up with you every few months, especially when you get back and just kind of see how you're doing and appreciate you sharing, you know, a little bit about your family with us. Uh, for sure, man. I appreciate you having me on here. It's uh, It's been fun. It's one of my favorite ones I've done so far. Just hung vacancy signs on your asses, and my foot's looking for a room. You know, I 